All right, today, you know, I often talk to you about how wonderfully blessed I am to be married, and uh, sometimes you think to yourself, you know, how different the person is that you have. Sometimes, you know, uh, Maria has two eyeballs like I have two eyeballs, you know, but sometimes you think, are they the same eyeballs and stuff? Because she sees things that I don't ever see. We go for a walk, and she's seeing things and pointing things out, and I'm just like, when are we going to be done walking? That's all I care about. I can look at my, you know, how about time, you know? But in case you don't know, she has painted several pictures and has, truly has an eye for painting. This is one of them that she has done. She just has that eye that has the ability to look at something and transfer it onto canvas. Now, one time we were on vacation, and everybody said, let's draw somebody. So I picked up a piece of paper. I forget who I was supposed to draw. I picked up, and I, and I did the best I could to draw somebody. I don't remember who it was, one of the kids or something like that. And when I turned it around, they laughed so hard they almost peed their head. I'm looking at them now, and they're like, they remember it. I remember how humiliated I was that I could not create something from one. I mean, I could see it in my eye, but I just couldn't get it over. She sees things I don't see. She, she sees the dishes that need to be done, and I, I don't see them, you know? People see things, and, and we talk about this a little bit. And so I, ha- I have in your notes, at the top of your notes, I have the word confused. And the reason I have that is just because the old adage of men and women. And people are different, right? And how different they are, and, and how so many different things, are, it brings a f- confusion, a frustration. I have three graphics I'm going to put up right in a row. Here's the first one that has to do with, you know, trouble. They're both sitting here thinking, the lady says, oh, our marriage is in trouble. We need to talk about it. Our marriage is in trouble. He says, I better keep my mouth shut. And he's trying to figure out, how do you handle this? What do you do, you know? Oh, here's the a, here's a next one for you. Here's you getting ready to go on vacation. Maria gets it out way early. I'm sure some of my children do the same thing. And they're packing. And Maria has a list. She pulls up, boom, boom, boom. And then you got my son-in-law, Ricky. I'm not really supposed to say his name. He throws his trunks in this one little thing. And we always say, is that all you're taking? That's all he needs. That's kind of how it is. Somebody's planning and preparing. And men and women, a little confusing. Here's the last one I have for you here. You can't see it at the bottom. I'll just read it. Apparently, I have done something to upset you. Oh, just a little barbed wire fence in between us and back. That's no problem. And so we laugh about it a little bit. But the truth of the matter is, is every one of you here know communicating men to women, you know, young to old. You understand that that's a little bit confusing. But as you grow and you learn about it, it becomes not so. You may get why they're doing it or learn how they think, and then it's just not so confusing. Here's the thing I want to say to you today. In our Bible study this last Thursday, I hope you tuned in. I think Daniela, one of my daughters, talked about a relationship. When you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, it is confusing at the start. How can you sing, God is a good God, when you have had some things that ain't been so good? It's confusing. It's okay. In any relationship, you know, parents and children, husband and wife, as you grow and as you spend time together, you learn what the other person is thinking and or doing. And when you learn about them, there's less confusion. And that's where I want to take you today in the scriptures. Have you ever thought about this? God doesn't always get his way. Have you ever? If you're learning about God and you have a relationship with him, have you ever stopped to think he doesn't always get his way? If you start reading the scriptures, you'll see that. We'll take a look at a couple different things today. And I talked to several people. In your notes, you have free will. And just definition that came out of two or three people's mouths within the last couple weeks. It's the gift and the curse. The gift that we all have a free will. 
love and choice. The curse, somebody that is not a follower of Christ makes a decision. Or somebody else that outside of the realm of wanting to submit to Jesus Christ makes a decision that hurts you and me. Maybe the boss, maybe the owner of the place we work, maybe the neighbor. And so I have three things I'd like to, with your with the Lord's help, teach you today that you probably know. If not, hopefully that confusion is going to grow a little less today. So right in your notes, I have God doesn't always get his way, and maybe you know this, maybe you don't, in the garden. I'm talking about in the garden of Eden, right? Uh, you have a verse 8 there. Let me grab my notes there. Uh, I just have a shortened version. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden. There he put the man he had formed. And you have a little bit more than that. So, and I didn't have all of it there, but I have all of the references, right? Just so you know, when you open up the Bible, chapter 1, awesome, God's creating. Chapter 2, awesome, God's creating. He's giving things to mankind. And in these verses here, in verse 9, talks about he gave them all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Anything you wanted coming off of the trees. In the middle of the garden, it says in verse 9, there was two other trees in the middle of the garden. Aside from every other tree, there was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Talks about in verse 10, the fact that there was water. Rivers of water were flowing through the garden of Eden. You know, He talks about in verse 11 that uh, the, through entire land there was good gold. He talks about in verse 12 that the gold in that land was good and there was Aramaic resin and onyx there also. Did you ever think about this? In the garden, there was things that were pleasing to the eye, pleasing uh, to, to taste and to eat, and a smell. What are those oil companies they got out there, those oil, the people that sell those oils? Uh, uh, what is it called? Essential. Essential oils was a thing from the garden, everybody. There's an aromatic sense of senses of smells because God knows what pleases man. He's given us everything. God gave Adam, as best I can tell, it was a wonderful utopia with everything he could need or imagine. It's kind of like going to an all-inclusive, right? Get to an all-inclusive garden resort. They provide your bedding. They provide everything that you need. You know, everything you could eat, more than you could eat. They provide, you don't even have to tip or anything. If you don't, it's all provided for it and all-inclusive. And yet, if you go on TripAdvisor, there's all kinds of people that complain. Oh, it wasn't good enough. Oh, this wasn't that good. Oh, this, you know, whatever. And that's exactly what happened in God's all-inclusive garden resort. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Folks, when you're in the most wonderful place, work doesn't much seem like work, but it's important. It gives value, and God knew that. They were to work the ground. They were to work it. You know, they, they would have to pick their own food. You know, how, you know, how much work is that? Verse 16, the Lord God, the word is commanded, everybody. The Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will die. You got everything you can. This is like going to Mexico and they say, don't drink the water. You have everything you want. It's all here, you know. Drink this water over here. Don't, don't drink the water out of the fountain, out of the tap. If you do, you will get a surprise. So he is teaching them there's this one aspect, I've given you free will. Out of everything in the garden they could eat, and folks, maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't, they could eat from the tree of life. 
They could eat from the tree of life also, but here we are. Everything is there given to them. He has one restriction on them. And how else are you going to know if you have free will? If you don't have restriction. If you don't have some don'ts. And I would just say to every parent that's here today, every parent that's here today, when you gave your child an all-inclusive child raising, when you gave them everything they needed, everything they couldn't provide for, and somehow or another they don't see your way or decide not to follow Christ, whatever it is, and you think, man, I gave them everything, welcome to God's world. Your child still has a free will. You say you weren't a perfect parent. Well, God was. Your child, my children, they have a free will. Don't feel so bad if you did a good job. You probably did a great job. But your children still have a free will. So here's the situation come chapter 3. Mankind falls. That word falls means sinned. They disobeyed. They came back to the place where now the Bible states to us that God had to ban them from the garden so that they wouldn't eat from the tree of life. Because if they were in a fallen state to eat from the tree of life, the tree of eternal life, the tree of righteousness, they would be stuck in separation from God, fixed in that spiritual condition for eternity. And so sometimes God does something that seems, that's kind of mean. But he knows what he's doing because he's God. So in verse 9, here's these two trees. Each tree has something to offer, right? We understand from God that the tree of knowledge of good and evil, when you eat from it, you literally would consume uh, evil, the knowledge of evil and good, and you literally would consume rebellion. You literally would consume disobedience. That's literally what would be consumed. Now, here's the other thing. I don't see anywhere where they couldn't have eaten from the tree of life first. No restriction from eating from the tree of life. The tree of life, if you read throughout the scriptures, is found oftentimes throughout the scripture as standing for eternal life or spiritual life or righteousness. The tree of righteousness. I'm, I don't know the answer, but I wonder if they would have eaten from the tree of life, if they would have gained eternal life, if they would have eaten from righteousness, if they would have ignored the other one, their free will would have been tested and they would have won. I, I don't know the answer, but I do know that the tree of life was there for them, and they were not restricted from it. Now, you all know that a tree is a picture of something that is, is life, and that's because it's got roots that go down deep. It, 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 it stands for something that is steady. It produces fruit. It, it means that it has something of substance for, for life that's coming off of it. And life with righteousness or life with knowledge and rebellion is what was offered in the middle of the garden. Both of them spiritual trees. The rest of it had to do with what they could just use uh, as a physical human being. So if you open your Bible and you start to read, here's chapter 1, that's awesome. Here's chapter 2, that's amazing. Here's chapter 3, God didn't get his way. You open your Bible and read three chapters, you have to know and understand. He said, stay away from that, don't do that. And they did it, so you think, God didn't get his way. Because of free will, we'll talk about this, God has limited himself. You think about that. God, in giving free will, has limited himself to know and understand it in this world. We have to remember, when we don't get our way, when we've prayed, when the door won't open, uh, he gave an all-inclusive garden resort to mankind, and he wanted them to have the best of everything, and they said, we need more. 
on the TripAdvisor review for the Garden of Eden, I'm sure Adam and Eve said, you know, we really didn't have enough. God doesn't always get his way in this world that he's created. Second thing I'd like to point out to you is that uh, God doesn't always get his way, and you think about it, in many people's lives. In many, many, many people's lives. You know that the scripture says, in this world, the road to destruction is wide. And many, and brought in many people go that way. The gate to where it comes is very narrow. And only a few find it. The Bible uses the word many and it uses the word few. So what does that mean? In the world we live in, most people, many people, I'll just use the biblical word, don't even care what God's will is. And you and I have to rub up shoulders with them. But this is the world we live in. Not of any fault of the Lord's, it's the fault of mankind and the fault of mankind's. As we study and as we pray to know who God is and to do his will, it's not so with a lot of other people. And if we as new Christians and as growing Christians are a little confused with God sometimes, how do you think people of the world are? That's why they come up and say, well, what kind of God do you have that does this? Or what kind of God do you have that does that? And when they say all those questions, they don't understand. God doesn't always get his way. That should process something in our minds. God created mankind extremely loving and giving towards them. That's evident in the scriptures. Psalm 139 is a passage of scripture, verse 16. I'm going to do 15 and 16. That uh, I talked to Gene and told Gina, you know what? This is what I'm talking about. Could I use the passage of scripture in, in the sermon this week? You know, and so I'm using uh, what Gina had sent me, and she sent me a text that just shows she's trying to learn about God of the Bible. And I hope that all of you are trying to do that. Here's Psalm 139, and I'll show you the questions that she asked me. Uh, see, this is personal to you. When somebody reads, "My frame was not hidden," that's you. Kathy, your frame was not hidden. Make this personal. My frame, the, the writer is saying, was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, in, in the womb. Were you really, in the, you couldn't see anything. You couldn't t- send, you know, in the secret place. A lot of technology uh, says we can do here a lot of things now. But when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, who's doing the basket weaving? Who's doing the weaving? Who's putting it together? Verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed body. We know the process. We've seen it now. So much more than the people. It was, it's unformed. It becomes formed over nine months. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And here's where she began to pose a question. First question. This means he saw me before I was even born and already had his plan for me, right? And I said, right, correct. God has a plan for every human being that he has knit together. Gifts, talents, and a plan for each and every one of them. When my kids were born, I had a plan for them. Matter of fact, I want to show you how petty I was. The one thing I thought about when my wife was pregnant carrying our kids is, John, what if they don't like to boat? Honest to goodness, that's what I thought about. What if they don't like to boat? What if they don't like to fish? I'm going to have to trade them in for another kid. Honestly, just to show you where I was at, everybody's parent wants something for their kids, but God has the ability to put in you what you can find out. But let me show you her second question. Gina, if you're listening, I got to pay you for this, all right? If that is so, she said, what about free will? I'm thinking that things I did before I came to know Christ would have been, uh, wouldn't have been his plan. 
So I just don't get how he really can have a plan for us being we do have free will. And she's thinking if he has a plan, it's got to be carried out because he's more powerful and he's bigger. And we all think if God wants it, God gets it. God doesn't always get his way. God doesn't always get his way. And there's two things that you need to know about this whole situation on earth and free will and everything. There is knowing something and there is causing something. God has the ability to know all things. God has limited himself in being able to cause all things. Otherwise, you don't have a free will. You all do the same thing. You limit yourself. You tell somebody, you know, do this job this way, that way, other, and you walk away, and you, you give them the freedom to do it that way or, or to fail and or to mess, with, mess it up, right? I mean, I, I told this story many times. My son loved a lot of music when he was younger, and he didn't like, he, he didn't really listen to good music as far as I was concerned. But, you know, if I was to say, here's $20, Joshua, you can go buy whatever you want. You know you need a tie. But you can buy some music or some whatever that mouse might be. When he's, when he's about 12 years old, he is not going to spend that much on a tie, and I know it. Now today, oh, he'd buy a tie today. He'd like to look good. How did I know that? Because I'm made in God's image, and I know my son. I didn't cause him to buy music CD. I didn't stop him from buying a tie. I gave him free will. And as children grow, they get more and more of their own free decision-making. And as we grow in Christ, we need to understand so that we're not so confused, you know. We really can say that since God gave mankind free will, he has limited his power. Just because God knows everything doesn't mean he's caused it. In his love, he has put certain limits on himself. But without free will, there's no love. I don't know if any of you have seen the movie Bruce Almighty. Uh, the movie Evan Almighty is a much better movie, but I digress. Bruce Almighty has, uh, you know, Jim Carrey in it, and Morgan Freeman's God, and Bruce Almighty says, where's God? He lost his job. You know, some difficult things happen. And he says, oh, you think you do a better job? Morgan Freeman, God says to him, he says, here, for a period of time, you're God. And he tries, and one thing he says, oh, before you go, he says, you can't mess with free will. Great point in a secular movie. You can't make somebody love you. And at one point of the movie, his, um, his girlfriend and him have split. And he goes to see, she's, she's at work, she's a teacher. And he had her talk, and he's trying to fix it, and all he's doing is messing up. And he went, you know, because he, he's God. He says, love me. Love me. And she said, I did, and walks away. Because free will can't make somebody love somebody. It's the option and the opportunity to be able to love. God has already shown that he is willing to let free will override what is best for mankind. He's already showed it when you open the Bible. He let them make their choice and free will override what was best for them. God does not always get his way in the lives of the very people he created and the very people he created with a purpose. So when you are without Christ, you're adrift from Psalm 139. But when you come to know Christ and you say, I want to be in the center of your will, why did you create me? How, how do you want me to use my gifts and my talents? And every day it's just a wonderful thing for a Christian to say, not my will but yours be done today. Lord, how can you use me? I'm your servant today. 
How many people on planet Earth wake up every day and say, yeah, what does he want me to do? I'm willing to do it. God doesn't always get his way in the lives of many, many people. And then number three, God doesn't always get his way in his own son's life. In his own son's life, you know, many a father has had to let their sons go through a tough time and make a mistake to let them know and learn, well, dad really did know best. You know, they, they say that once your children get to be about 30, they think their parents are geniuses. Mine evidently aren't we're at 30 yet. But they just think of all the things that, they, that, that mom and dad said, and then they start to raise their own kids, and they'll say, oh, my gosh, I'd be turned into my father. I'd be turned into my mother, you know. In the life of his own son, in Mark, the 14th chapter, Jesus is with his 12 best friends and disciples, spiritual buddies. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He's, ironically, he's in a garden. He's in a garden. And we, we know that garden today, it had just olive groves all throughout. He's in a garden. It's starting in a garden. It's going to end in a garden. And he's asking his disciples, can you guys stay awake and pray? And they can't even do that. And Jesus, being fully human and fully God, says these words found in 35 and 36. Uh, going a little further, Jesus fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. If possible, we sing a song, all things are possible. Can we get that back up and Ron cannoli, huh, Gandy? But look at verse 36, Abba, Father. The word Abba there is the closest translation to you and me as daddy. An internal, personal daddy, father. Everything is possible for you. Haven't you in your hardship said everything is possible for you? Haven't you said, I know everything is possible for you? Jesus, fully human, fully man. He's struggling here. He knows what's coming. He said, take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. That word cup there, take this cup, is the word throughout Scripture that talks about pouring out a wrath of God. The wrath of God was going to be poured out on his son. And I know one side of everybody here says, well, then God got his way because he sent his son. I get it. But in his own son's life, is that his perfect will for him? I would say to you that if mankind would listen, Jesus would not have had to go to the cross And if God didn't get his way in the garden, then he's really not getting his way with his son except for the fact that he knows what's best. When we're not getting from God what we know, a good God, we sang a song about a good God. It bugs me sometimes that Christians don't understand that. They look at different things. They think a good God, like a man and a woman, don't really understand each other. We're We're growing in Christ, trying to know and grow in that relationship to understand. He's good in so many different areas. It's interesting to talk to people that are going through really, really tough situations, and they say to me, man, years ago when I was well out Christ, I don't know how to done this. Just talked about that this week. But now in Christ, the strength that they have and what they how and how they're growing. Jesus knew that all things are possible with his Father, so he asked if it's possible to free him from the cross. And you and I have prayed certain things, and we've asked for a door to be open or closed. And is it okay for the Father to say no to Jesus? And not no to us? We're learning, right? A little less confusion in our relationship with God as we grow and learn who he is. We know the answer. What was best for mankind, not for Jesus. That was God's will. Jesus said, I know everything is possible 
but how does God accommodate all of the free wills that so many people have? What if you're praying not to lose your job and somebody else is praying for a job? I don't know. What about football, baseball? Everybody's praying from both sides. Free will. Who, who does God answer? I'm convinced he puts his fingers in the ears and runs around thinking, la, 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 la. Jesus said, yet, not what I want, but what you want. Christians, could I give us a prayer? Could, could I say a prayer that we might often want to think and end our prayers with or begin our prayers with? How about something like, Father, I know you're a good God. I know everything is possible with you. But I remember that your son Jesus prayed for you to take the cup of wrath away from him, and yet he said, not what I will, but what you will. Being a Christian, Jesus taught us, meant you will face some of the things he faced. There are people that think, if I'm a Christian, I'm set free from all that stuff. Jesus paid, no, 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 not in this life. Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have trouble. Why are Christians so surprised and have trouble? You're wasting too much energy and time on trying to figure that out. Go to him and go to the body of Christ. Let others pray for you, lift you up, do what we can. In this time that's going on in our church family, I have three, four families getting a hold of me saying, if somebody has a financial need or something, please let me know. I have people calling me saying, telling me, texting me, hey, if you need me to shop, let me know. Hey, I'm heading out to the store. Do you know what I mean? So I, I reached out to uh, one person that I, I know uh, that comes to the church. I said, do you need anything? And uh, they said, no, not at this time. But I can see by all of your faces, you're all ready to go. I thank you, man. I mean, isn't it amazing when you have a coronavirus breakout, the wonderful things that can happen? This church is being taught a lesson that it's not about a building. This church is being taught a lesson. It's about the people. I got it on the sign out front, and I'm telling anybody that wants to read or call, hey, call us if you have a need. All the calls will go to Kathy, so Kathy Byram, so I, I don't really care how many people call. Why don't you guys all call and say hi to Kathy? And she'll filter them through, and we will make sure ministry is done. God is a good God. And the people, uh, you know, I talked to the Red, uh, Red Cross. Uh, Daniela put me in touch with somebody. Somebody called and said, hey, we would really like to do a blood drive here. People in churches, they're, they're not opening their doors. And I, and I don't want to infect, and I don't want to hurt anybody, but I know that Jesus ran towards the problem to try to help them. I want to be seen as a light. We will do everything we can to keep everybody safe and healthy. Um, when you train somebody as Christians like we're being trained, you get them to the place where they do it the right way. You ever hire somebody? And they, you know, as a welder, I, was, I, I taught and trained almost every welder. They came in, they had all kinds of different ways to do different things. The only thing is, is we had different systems, we had different metals and, you, and techniques for doing things. And they would come in and try to do some things, and I would just let them mess it up. And then after a little bit of time, having been a good learner, they would learn how to do it. They'd be trained. There's less confusion. Are you being trained by God to understand him a little bit more, that on this earth we don't always get our way? Lord knows he didn't always get his way. Jesus' prayer in the garden is kind of ironic. Must we be praying the same prayer? God didn't always get his own way with his son. We must learn to pray, not what I want, 
So in your notes, I put the phrase that I'm sure many of us have thought. Maybe you never said it this way. In your notes, I have, so what good is God? What good is God? What good is God when our prayers are, answer, uh, are not answered, when the door doesn't open, when someone dies unexpectedly, a tragedy, a ongoing suffering or trial that becomes part of your life? Where is God? What good is God? You lose your job. You had a miscarriage, whatever it is. What good is God? When I have things like this that happen to me, one of the things that I do is I go to the people that I know who were closest to Jesus. How did they handle those things? Two groups of people to me, and this might be something different to you. That I go to number one, I like to read about people who gave their life for Christ. Dr. Tom Hermes, our general superintendent, his grandmother and a lot of the, the women would not deny Jesus Christ over in Turkey and lost their lives. I like to go to his closest friends, the disciples, to see what were they willing to do. They were willing to go to jail. And of course, they had a, they had a prayer meeting and they had a song session going on there, Candy. I, I, they were probably looking for a song leader. I know you don't want to go to jail, but they might be looking for somebody. I go to his disciples. How, in the book of Acts, how were they, how did they handle this? How did they handle getting flogged? One passage says they were glad to get flogged in the name of Jesus. I mean, we got our toenail bent over. It's like, where are you? Romans 8, 28 and 29. What good is God? Oftentimes we quote 28, but 29 is extremely important. Let me read 28. We know that in all things God works. Can I read that again? And we know that in all things God works. All things. All things. Both sides of the good and evil side. Those inside his will, those outside his will. We know They have learned that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, folks, there's two conditions there. If God's going to work on your behalf in whatever lousy situation you find yourself in, you have to love him. You have to be a follower of his. You can't just be words out of your mouth. And you have to say, I want to be found in the center of your will. Do you meet the conditions for God to do something inside your stinky situation? We've all been through them. I certainly have. Verse 29, now a little confusing. Let me see if I can break it down easily. It says, for those God foreknew. Ah, God knew in advance who would get saved. God knew in advance. He didn't cause it, but he knew. So what was he wanting to do? For those who would become his followers, he he preordained, predestined a plan to be conformed into the image of his son. And part of that plan was using all things, using all things that happened to us. Let me read verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. Don't get hung up on that. It just means he had a plan. He predestined to be conformed into the image of the Son. Folks, there's some things that have happened to me I would not want to do again, but they have made me more like Christ. They have changed me, and I know they've changed some of you. I also know this. Some of you have been through some tough times and have gotten through it. There's others looking to you to see, wow, they didn't, they didn't run from Christ. You then fulfill the passage of Scripture that it says, we comfort others with the comfort that he has given us. To be conformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Firstborn, Jesus rising from the dead. Through suffering, Jesus became the Messiah, the Savior. Through suffering, we too are formed into the image of Christ. 
One of the things that was missed by Old Testament uh, uh, Hebrew followers and, and, and prophets, that the Messiah would suffer before he would reign physically. And I think we miss it. Christians will have to suffer to be conformed to the image of Christ. In third world countries, they'd be listening to this thing, thinking, yeah, we know that, but not in America. Be careful. The Bible and the scriptures doesn't, do not change. And, and the reality, do not change. You know, I, I, Tom Simichek's probably listening. I, I texted him this morning. He had a six-figure job, bringing in good income. And if he told me once, he told me half a dozen times, I would not want that job and what I had for all the money in the world. I'd rather have Christ. The relationship I have, the freedom and the love I have in my heart, my church family, gave up a six-figure job. Actually, I think he was fired, but I'll, I'll clear that with him later. <laughs> so what good is God? The asterisk in your note. I, I, doesn't it just make sense to ask? You know, If God doesn't always get his way, why should we? Why should you? Why should Evan? Our free will affected the one who gave it to us. Let's change our minds to line up with God's truth. Do you think that you are more privileged than God? Just some hard-hitting questions. Candy, could you just play for me as we're going to have a, a word of prayer here in just a second, you know? Uh, so in your notes, I have that your spiritual goals really need to line up. And I left the end of it blank there. Because you may have some spiritual goals, and they might be what you want, and I get that. But don't you think the confusion about being a Christian would, would this, uh, dissipate a little bit more if you knew and understood what the Scriptures have to teach? That confusion would be gone. What does God want for you? What does he want you to, con to what has to happen in you to be conformed into his, his son, Jesus Christ? He's predestined away. What's the way? Though he can't stop every bad, evil thing from happening to us, he can use it. He uses it to those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. He uses it. Are you letting him mold you? Are you resisting it? You're just trying to figure out, if this is God, I don't want no part of him. But you're becoming more like Christ. And the people that I look to, I look to the disciples, I look to the martyrs, you got to have some people you look to who are close to Jesus. you got to have some people that you look to who have walked long with Christ and have been through some problems and some difficulties and some heartbreaks. You know, when you're a young couple, there's a lot of funny, frustrating things. I showed them up there with the cartoons, right? But they're really not funny at home. You laugh at them at church, but when you're going through them, you just want to punch your husband in the head. I won't say you want to strangle your wife. No, I won't say that. No. Yeah, you, it's very frustrating, but it's so interesting to watch a couple that sticks it out through all of that. I have not met a couple that I don't see madly in love with each other in their, in their 60s, 70s, and 80s who don't say to me, it wasn't always easy. You don't even know, Evan. They work the relationship. Are you working your relationship with Jesus? Because those couples that you see going to Dairy Queen, drive through only, sitting down there, holding hands, watching the sunset, they're not so confused anymore about relationship. They may be a little senile. They may not have the energy a young person does, but they have lost a lot of the confusion 
because they can't even remember what their husband or wife did wrong anymore. I hope that, you know, Lord have mercy. Could you bow your heads with me today? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for teaching us. Sometimes we're so spoiled in this country that we just sometimes really don't get it. Will you teach us today, Father God, that that confusion about the fact you're a good God, it's an okay thing, but a husband and a wife, a mom and a dad, their kids, whatever, they grow through that confusion, they love through that confusion, they learn, they put up with some stuff they don't really like, and so do we. But eventually we come to know that you are working good things in us. Knowing the stubborn, risk-taking human being that I am, Lord, I know how many things that you have taught me and I still am learning, Lord, that's for sure. For everybody that hears my voice at home or here today, I pray, Jesus, that you will give them a spirit of encouragement, that you will help us this day be a church that loves, cares about others, does and says, what can my neighbor need? I pray for John and his daughters uh, this day and the entire family and Ken. Ken is precious to us. We ask that your presence be there in a real spiritual way, Lord. Lord, here we are. It stinks that we can't hug like we'd like to, but Lord, we're creative people. Help us find so many ways through cards, letters, gifts, whatever it might be to tell John and tell Ken and the girls that that we love them. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.